Welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We are trying with everything that we have to rediscover the ancient way. There is a way carved out for us to walk in. I don't claim to know every step along the way, but listen, we are rediscovering it. We're unearthing things that have been forgotten, abandoned, forsaken, dismissed as old news, (laughs) not for today. You know, listen, God is the same. He's never changed. He himself created a people to be absolutely dependent upon him, to know him, to know his ways, to execute his, his governmental authority on the natural earth the same way, the same pattern, with the same results that he intended in the Garden of Eden, where he walked intimately with man. Listen, I believe this is attainable. I believe it's possible, and I believe it is for us. Now, the problem is us. (laughs) The problem is, hey, pull out a mirror and take a hard look. That's the only problem. That's the problem between the, the reality of men walking empowered by the Spirit of God to carry out His ordinances in humanity. We are the problem. So let us look inward. Let us look and examine ourselves, say, Lord, Search me, know me, try me. Is there any wicked way in me? Guess what? There is. Okay? Let's just acknowledge that at the very beginning of this episode. Excuse me. Okay, so this is going to be at least two parts. It's possible it will go three. I'm hoping two, primarily because it's nighttime again. Man, I should be going to bed, but I've got this completed today. Now, this came on my radar um, mid-morning today, I was doing a study into something else, and uh, looking for something else to begin. Um, I had I've shared on here the last multiple episodes, probably for the last two weeks, how just the way things have fallen. I've primarily only been doing off-the-cuff commentary towards trains of thought that are just present in my life, spiritual in nature, of course. Um, biblical principles, biblical patterns, um, cultural and and church, you know, like body of Christ type church, not just organizational church, but the functions of the church. Now, we've been kind of operating in the vein of those types of commentaries for a couple weeks, and I've been saying repeatedly. If you're a new listener, now stay close because this is not all we do. I do enjoy Bible study. I spent years writing for a blog in in great length, in great detail, according to scriptures specifically. Spiritual principles within the Word and dissecting the Word. I Man, I just, I enjoy that. I love that. I do. But admittedly, as I told a brother on the phone today, I still do not yet give myself enough to study to an organized level of coming out in an actual writing and or teaching along those lines. A little more ordered. You know, I don't have my hand on my steering wheel of my truck just driving along and recording what I'm thinking this morning or even what I would like to say in humility at times the Lord is speaking to me. Those things are right and good and have their place, but I, 
I would like to say that I enjoy the most when I'm reading text in the scriptures and something comes alive in me. This is a gift from God, y'all. When we read the eternal written word of God penned by mere men under the guidance and the power and the, and the breath of God through their hands to write and therefore then be preserved to make it all the way here into our homes with multiple copies and versions and commentaries of the eternal word of God. Now, what's the absolute word of God? How do we know? Oh, man, look, I've talked about this before. Let us submit what we read, what we ingest to the Spirit, and in faith, Lord, I'm doing the best I can with the resources I've been given. I'm trusting you for truth. I will not possess absolute truth. We can go to Hebrew texts. We can go look at Greek explanations we can read commentaries of great saints of the faith that have gone before us but listen we are all getting versions whether according to what's been given to us or by our own individual limited limited understanding it will have error it will be a little bit flawed at the best okay and that's all right we entrust not just our own understanding, but all that we are and all that we add to our lives to the Father in a heart's posture of, Lord, I want truth. I want truth. I want revelation. I want your oracles to make it into my, into my ears, into my mind, into my innermost places, the heart of who I am, the seat of everything that I am. Please speak to me. Illuminate some things to me. And this is what happened to me this morning, and so I wanted to compile it in an actual typed-out, structured form. Um, And so I hope that is something you're interested in. If you've been tuning in recently and all you've pretty much heard is just commentary from me, dialogue of just like, you know, this is what the Lord's saying, and it's just kind of topically loose in the sense of per episode. This is a little more structured, a little bit different than what I've been doing as of late, although I have done this a lot in the last year. Okay, so this again is going to be multiple parts, at least two, possibly three. I know how this goes, but I already titled it, and what I titled this message is, When the One Who Deserves Judgment Is You. When the One Who Deserves Judgment Is You. The text is going to be 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm going to read a pretty hefty chunk of it just to get started and to lay the groundwork of what we're going to talk about. And and basically in this, the scripture is going to do the teaching. It's going to do the, the expounding of what this is. We're just going to kind of take this biblical pattern that we'll see in the life of David and we're going to press it into ourselves and say, you know what? Is this a pattern that's present in my life today. Because there's some things within this specifically that we need to add to our lives. Not in fullness now. We're going we're gonna to have to be learned men and realize we're not looking for excuses. We're not looking, well, hey, David wasn't perfect. You know, all these things we hear in, in modern Christianity, well, Moses was this and David was that, and all these men were just big old failures just like me. 
I am in no way proposing that, but I am saying there are some principles in place within these men who have gone before us, like David, who was a man after God's heart. He was towards the will of the Father that would be good for us to learn from and to then add to our lives. 2 Samuel chapter 12 1 through 23 is, I'm just going to bite a big chunk off, and then we're going to come back, and I'm going to just talk about that for a little bit. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and Nathan came to him and said, There are two men in one city. One was rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he brought and nourished. The lamb grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread, drink of his cup, and lie in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. A traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David's anger burned greatly against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold, because he did this thing and he had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives, all into your care. I gave you the house of Israel, the house of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you even more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife, and you've killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, because you you have despised me, and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite, Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you from even your own household. I will even take your wives before your eyes and give them to your companion. He shall lie with them in broad daylight. Indeed, you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all of Israel and under the sun. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child, also that is born to you shall surely die. So Nathan went to his house. Then the Lord struck the child that Uriah's widow bore to David so that he was very sick. Verse 16, David therefore inquired of God for the child. David fasted. He went and he lay all night on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him in order to raise him up from the ground, but David was unwilling and would not eat food with them. Then it happened on the seventeenth day, on the seventh, excuse me, seventh day, that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Behold, 
While the child was still alive, we spoke to him, and he didn't listen to our voice. How then can we tell him that the child is dead, since he might do himself harm? But when David saw that his servants were whispering together, he perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is. So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, changed his clothes, and came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. Then his servants said to him, What is this thing that you've done? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But when the child has died, you arose and ate food? And he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me, that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. Okay, there is so much stuff within this. I thought about just taking it in bite-sized chunks, but I just wanted to take it all and we'll just keep coming back to it. How many times have we, have, have we had this happen to us individually in our spiritual journey, in our own interaction, as we go about our life and we receive correction from the Father? Perhaps we're reading Scripture through the lens of Yahweh's correction and we are having trouble with what we see. It may be started looking towards someone else, something that, that we read as an enemy of God, a, an, an, an opposer of God's will, an evil man. We are looking for correction for that, that evil man. Maybe even we're fuming over who we deem to be God's enemies and how he had better go execute judgment against those men. And then the light turns to us. We, via the conviction of the Holy Spirit, realize that in fact we ourselves are actually the ones in need of correction and discipline. We are evil. We are deserving of death. Let's be clear at the strength of the words used here in these verses that David exploded in anger against the man, is one version. He was enraged at the, even the possibility of how dare a man act in such a manner. How could anyone be that way? How could anyone be so selfish, so vain, so evil to do an act like Nathan's prophecy described to David? He was surely deserving death, and David exploded in anger against this man. He declared that this man had no pity. This man needed to pay back the lamb four times over. This man ultimately deserved death, but this man was in fact himself. Listen, we could stop right here and chew on this for 20 minutes. This man... That, that in our own hearts, in our own ways, and, and sure enough, in modern American Christianity that just loves pointing her finger, finger at every evil, vile opposer of the gospel or of their political party or of their personal preference and is thereby deemed by them 
to be the enemy. Listen, friends, I think this account needs to be, it needs to sink real down deep in us because that man might be us. The man might be you. That man, from my perspective, might be me. In gatherings, formal and informal, I recently, and, and as I think about it in different versions of just Christianity as a whole, that I've been in and, in and out of in my life, I often find myself feeling called to be the one to remind myself and everyone else that when, when people are just, I mean, let's just be honest, most people really get, they get so worked up towards the enemy, towards the bad guy. I'm the good guy, they're the bad guy, we must seek justice. There's social justice Jesus movements Righting all the wrongs, undoing everything evil in the world. Good guy, bad guy scenarios are everywhere in the church. But listen, I feel like for whatever reason, I always have on my radar the, the, the reality of, you know what, friends? Can we hit the pause button and turn the spotlight onto ourselves? Because listen, if we're going to spend ample amounts of time pointing out all of the wrongs in culture today, whether the world or the church, we had better take equal amount of time, and I would say considerably more time on ourselves, individually and corporately. If, it's, if it is a corporate demonstration of of, of what is evil and what is wrong and, and what needs to be fixed and who needs to be corrected. Look, we had better take that time and even more time addressing ourselves, corporately speaking. And of course, brought down individually into our own time before the Lord. Like, man, it better be a pie chart that falls super heavy on the individual issues of our own life. Because listen, if we're not careful, we're going to hear what David heard in the prophecy of Nathan that came the word of the Lord through this brother to David. And David's fuming, exploding in anger over the vileness of this evil man. Who in the world can, can, can do such a thing? And the Lord God through the prophet says, it's you. You are the evil, vile man. I'm telling you, we could repeat that for the next hour and a half, and hopefully that would stand enough by itself if that's the only thing we talked about in this episode. Most brands of God's people are always ripe and ready to declare the enemies of God and how they deserve wrath and judgment. I believe a lot of the church enjoys doing this. I think there's some twisted gratification about walking in the execution of God's judgment. It's really concerning to me. Because you know what? We deserve the same wrath and the same judgment. Judgment must come to the house of God. We know that in the scripture. Yes, we are all in that house of God, if we're talking about scriptural 
scripturally defined believers in Messiah. I don't have time every single episode I record to make crystal clear what that in fact is according to the scriptures alone. I can't do that. That would take the majority of everything I ever talk about is just giving a true biblical definition of spiritual regeneration. We can't do that every single time. But we say, these men are sinners. These men are opposers of Yahweh. These men are this. These men are this. Yes, and apart from the mercy of God and undeserved love that he bestows upon every one of us, so am I. So are you. We do know this, right? We do know that this is true. We are the, on this equal plane of like, we are all absolutely degenerate apart from the supernatural work of God in a man. All of us. Now, I fully know that there are those, I would say, I would include myself in this, that's called to the function of calling others out and up. That's a lot of what I feel I exist to do, is to say, you know what, come on, come on, put that away, abandon this, be holy, be righteous, be set apart, consecrate yourself, cleanse your hands, cleanse your heart, come on, come on, that Hezekiah call. I, I agree with that, I, I connect with that inside of me, that is a vital component, yes and amen. I believe in this. I I attempt to perform it. That's a lot of what I do. That's not the argument. I do believe fully that we can be holy, set apart, and priestly through the power of the Messiah, walking as rightful ministers of His authority. Yes, amen. That's not the argument either. The issue at hand to me is making sure that we ourselves are walking in humility alongside mankind, in and out of the church, as mere servants of the Most High. We're carrying out His governmental authority in our lives, rightly held, rightly submitted to Him to completely and like perpetually always be redefining in our present understanding. Because listen... Your doctrine towards a certain matter that you may just be locked in on that you arrived at 12 years ago, the Lord might be wanting to to shake that up a little bit and reorganize your present understanding towards it should you be willing to present it to Him ongoing to redefine, to tweak, or to utterly change if necessary. We have to be... Men who do that, who take these things rightly, but submit them to the Lord to allow Him to perfect them. Let's be sure to point out that David received the correction, and he immediately responded with confession. Verse 13. I've got to turn my page. So this comes hard. I mean, just imagine this, and I don't have time to go into all of it. I've I've already talked to a friend earlier about this. I like to, again, I like to insert myself into what these men in these scriptural accounts must, must have been feeling, must have been thinking about. You know what? Let's hit the pause button right here. We're going to make this uh, part one. It's a good place to just exhale a little bit. I've hardly gotten anywhere. That's how it goes. 
We're in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Get your Bible out and read it between this and part two. Take some time in even the little bit that we've already talked about, just the overview of what principles are within this for us to glean, to add to our lives. And so stick around, part two of when the one who deserves judgment is you. Amen.